0: Hi, and welcome to the House Hack Podcast.
1: An exploration of modern work and how young professionals and businesses can work together in pursuit of the
0: careers of tomorrow. Ryan and Charlie here. We're so glad you could join us. Let's get into it. Okay, hey everyone, and welcome back to the House Hack Podcast. Super excited to have you joining us today. Our guest today is Lee Bovington. So Lee is the current EMEA Territory Loss Prevention Manager at Nike, where he focuses on minimising losses and maximising profits for the retail business across brick and mortar and e-commerce. Having started his career within the police force and progressed with purpose within loss prevention since then, he's acquired a wealth of experience within leadership that has enabled him to improve business, personal and team performances. You can find Lee on LinkedIn and super excited to have him on today. How are you doing, Lee? Really good, gents. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Amazing. Super excited to get into this chat. So we're going to be focusing on your journey, talking about your your lessons, your why, how you got to where you are. But I think our first question is going to talk about where you are now and really just ask what is loss prevention.
2: Sure. Um, yeah, loss prevention in my in my current um, position is pretty straightforward. Um, we have a very clear mission statement in which myself and all of the team abide by. And it's very, very simple in that we are here to minimise financial loss to the business and reduce our exposure to risk at all levels. Uh, And by having the mission statement is very, very clear and abundant to all of our stakeholders what we do do and what we don't do, which sometimes in the loss prevention world, can be lost in translation, which is why it's so important to have a very clear, very structured mission statement that we continue to prophesize from uh, and refer to in every conversation that we have with stakeholders in order to maximize the
1: performance um, from our team and from our function. Nice, yeah, thank you for that, Lee. That's a And so really good insight into to what you do and how that mission plays a really important role. I think when I was looking at your backgrounds one of the elements that I thought was really interesting was starting off in the police force. How did you find yourself coming across to retail? Was it something you always wanted to do or was it just a a career transition that you had at some point and didn't really know what the next step was going to be?
2: Yeah so it was a Big career transition and the, the transition isn't easy so I'm not going to pretend here speaking to you both that it's, it's, it's an easy transition because it isn't um, especially if you'd spent such a long time in the police that I had just over 10 years but I was really lucky I guess um, because when I moved over to what I would describe as the real world no disrespect to the police service um, I was lucky because the retailer that I worked for really understood the, the transferable skills that I had and what value I could bring into their workplace. Because it's quite um, siloed in the police because at the time I was one of 30,000 police officers um, in, in London and I didn't really know what skills I had. Um, I knew that I wanted to change, but I didn't really or couldn't label the skills that I had because the only ever full-time experience I had in employment was in the police. But when I went to uh, JD Sports, um, the transition I found was incredibly smooth um, and incredibly accommodating and welcoming. And um, it it melted quite easily into um, my role in JD, which was a regional loss control manager. So I found that transition um, pleasantly surprising and, and,
1: and pleasantly seamless. Nice. Awesome. And you spoke there a little bit about the roles or the skills that could be transferable. When you did look internally to find out what those were, what did you discover that could be transferred to loss prevention and how did it help you in that new role?
2: Yeah, so two, two big things that, that I, looking back then, I, I always knew that I had, but I didn't know what the label was. Um, and I'm still, you know, you don't lose those skills, you just enhance those skills to the present day. Um, the first one I would say is communication, is in every form, how to, how to communicate appropriately at all levels uh, in order to um, uh, achieve the right amount of impact. You know, it's about flexing that style. And um, the second one um, was quite simply about getting things done. If if um, and I always am and always have been a, a fairly driven person, if I've got a hunger inside of me to fix or get things done, that's a really good trait to have uh, in 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 the police service. Um, I guess you would always look to to seek the truth, and you would always look to to seek uh, justice for for your victims of crime at, at whatever level. Um, and I always have that. Um, in, in, in my DNA I guess didn't know at the time but I would always have that in my DNA to try to solve to try to fix um, to try to win the race to try to get to the end and that really helped me um, in, in, in JD and to the present day just having that hunger inside to try to reach um, um, the best resolution that you can and um, so you can look back on your work and say you know what I tried my best um, sometimes it works Sometimes it doesn't, but I really gave everything that I could in order to to achieve that goal. So, and you know, that's that's the same as, as I operate now as well. Mm. So
0: that really helped. And when you were first making that transition, do you think that hunger was one of the driving forces behind making that change, that career transition, that and the desire to to fix, to to have an impact?
2: Yes, I I, I would say yes, quite simply. And I would say. Um, through the, the the recruitment process um i assume now um that the the recruiter saw that inside me and again that's by the questions that they ask and the design of the questions and they saw that inside me that i wasn't there just to um you know kind of do 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 a half job or or or, uh, or give them kind of 50 percent commitment my my role there was to try to um achieve and in the retail world in lost control you you had a target. So you had numbers, you had data that you you could strive towards. Mm. Um, So you could see the the impact of your output in the workplace, how it ultimately uh, manifested into a number. So I could see how much push would achieve, how much standoff would achieve, how much strong communication, how much softer communication, um, I could see that. So I could, you know, and if you measured it, I think in, in JD, we was measured in, in three months increments. So I could see if I pushed there, what it would achieve. So that gave me an understanding on reflection. Actually, yeah, you know, the, the ingredients is sound. The, um, the formula is good to achieve those results. So it, it was pretty straightforward. Um, and, you know, I, I was, I was successful and I was part of a machine, but I was successful in, in, in those stages to really understand the style of person that I wanted to be and, and the style of communicator that I I wanted to, um, to, to, to communicate with the team with in order to, to get those required results.
1: Nice, so you speak there, I think really clearly about the way of measuring even soft skills in the workplace and the way of seeing their results through predetermined KPIs. I think that's really, really interesting. How do you bring that to your current role with managing people, and in what way do you find that it makes the role of management really meaningful to you?
2: Yeah, again, yeah, a really good question. And there, there isn't a a, a number attributed to how you um, improve an individual's soft skills and their performance, but I've always um, being true to the people that I work with. I would never describe that they work for me. I would describe it as a working with relationship because that's the kind of style that I lead. And my acid test of my own personal success as a as a leader of people is how they achieve their own professional and personal goals. Yes, it's about KPIs. Yes, it's about driving performance, which is the bread and butter of, of business. But... I would always um, uh, um, see great achievement and and accolade in them if they achieve, if they develop, if they move on, if they go to other departments, if they lead a team, if they can replace me as a leader as well. That's something that, you know, that's natural and nobody should shy away from that in terms of the people that I recruit, as I've learned over the years, should be the person that replaces me. Geographically pending, obviously, but that sh- that person should be replacing me, and and I shouldn't be too proud to want that to happen because that means that they've developed and they've achieved, and and there is no boundaries or, or, or silos to the goals that they want to 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 achieve. And you know, if they have dreams and ambitions, it's my job as a leader to light the way, is to is to show them the light, and that's a you know that's a phrase that we use in in some companies where I did show them that this isn't just about a one dimensional approach to business. If you've got ambition, if you've got drive, if you've got talent, you can do whatever you want across any business. Um, and I've always, always um, held um, strong to, to that belief. But coming from the police, I didn't manage a team, so I didn't see that skill inside me. Moving from from JD to other businesses, that started to, to resonate, that started to open up. So that would that's, that's, a, that's a nice skill to have, um, but it's also it's nice to see the team develop so one of my biggest accolades is seeing people move within business um, and, it's, and it's 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 always um, a nice proud moment to see that to for me to accept that i was a part of that person's development and i was i was a part of that person um, achieving their goals and, and and becoming more rounded in whatever they wanted to
0: do now I can see that you've got a really personal approach to management and to bringing people along with you and kind of creating that journey i wonder if there's any particular experiences across your career you mentioned you started out at jd and now of course at, at nike but there are other moves in there as well are there any key experiences that have led to that being your personal style of, of leadership and of, of management or is it just progress and a compound over um, time
2: i, I guess we, we we learn by experience and, and when I was in JD, I always wanted to progress and, and, and manage a group of people, and then move into people management in, in, in TJX Europe, which is um, at the time was TK Maxx and HomeSense. That enabled me and gave me the opportunity to, to manage people, and it was in at the deep end, and, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to literally be stood in front of a group of people and, and I was in charge not because of the power because that gave me re- but it gave me responsibility to be their developmental mentors and for me to be almost a, a, a dream enabler for these groups of people um, and, and I, I learned that from, from my own experiences from, from, my la- from, from my line managers that was always positive um, and, I, and I learned that but to be able to be um, in an environment where I was a leader and they looked to me for advice put me under a nice amount of pressure, to be honest, because that that made me um, help them and develop them in their roles.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. And I think that development of other people as a leader, not as a manager, is really, really interesting and looking forward to, to deep diving into that into a bit more detail in a few minutes. But quickly on the responsibility that you say that you really enjoyed and thrived within i guess with taking on responsibility also has negative as well as positive outcomes you have to bear both the good and the bad were there any mistakes you made on that journey and how did you learn from it
2: um yeah i'll, I'll give some thought to mistakes but i would say always um it starts with trust so i would always um, and again, this is no just disrespect to anybody that's gone before me because everyone's on their own personal journeys. but there would always be an element of trust. So if I was to walk into literally a new room with a, with a new team in front of me, there would always a little bit, be a bit of um, apprehension from, from the team, a little bit of is he, does he really want to do these things? or is he just saying it? Is he really invested in my development as a person? or is he just reading it off, a, off a corporate script? And there'll always be those trust obstacles, always. And, and there will always be um, a sense of undoing, okay? So, you know, you've got that, um, that knot that you just need to slowly and methodically undo. And when that person sees that you are true to your word um, and you are fair, but you're firm at the same time, and you do treat everybody Um, In in the same respectful manner and you are true to your word and you will invest in them as as a person that breaks down um, a lot of barriers, a lot of barriers. Um, And I would always. um, I know it sounds an old cliche, but I would always treat people how I would expect to be treated myself. Um, and, and, you know, we, we learn from other people that we've worked for and, and worked with in order to um, uh, formulate your own personal style. So that's what's helped me um, in, in, in those particular scenarios.
0: Cool. So now I think we're, we're kind of transitioning out of that story piece at the, at, the, at the beginning into diving into the topic at the top that we mentioned is, is more about kind of coaching Within the workplace and, and that specific management, we, we we've touched on it already. But really, to, to pick up on on it straight away, what role does coaching play in building an effective team? And perhaps what does what does coaching mean in that kind of workplace context?
2: Yeah, it's everything. In in simple terms, it's everything. In 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 take yourself outside of the, the business environment, it's everything. And um, any anyone can point, anyone can poke and anyone can can uh, assess or validate anyone can do that in, in my opinion but it's to be a patient sometimes robust rounded coach makes a difference because that creates longevity but that's future proof if it's done in in the most effective way that that person can do at the time because that then creates that team because then you are literally transferring your thought process and your skills, uh, and, and 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 your awareness and your understanding, you're literally, or physically rather, passing that baton to that individual so they understand. And there's some obvious cliches such as the why. You always have to explain the principle of what you're trying to deliver because otherwise it would never land. It, it would never sink. Um, I've made I've made those mistakes in the past and. I learn from those mistakes where sometimes I I haven't asked why. Yeah, I'll do it, that's fine. Yeah, I've got it. Lee's gonna fix this. Don't worry, I'll be it'll be done, et cetera. If I don't ask the why, it's almost a leap of faith as to whether I actually understand what the message is of me that that my line manager or someone else wants to be delivered. So very, very conscious of that fact. Um, and sometimes you, you have to you have to go slow to go fast. Sometimes you have to go backwards to go forwards. It's all those cliches because it's so important to make sure that when that person or persons leave your leave your presence, um, they completely understand. They've they've seen the picture. It's like the matrix has kind of worked itself out. They understand now what you're trying um, to ask them to achieve and why because they can then describe it to another person. So it doesn't get lost in translation, so that it remains true all the way down through the process. And that's massively important. But yeah, coaching per se is, is should, should be a fairly straightforward skill. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough um, to coach a football team um, and it's, a, it's pretty transferable skills, right? It, it, it is the same. You, you tell, you show, you show again, and then they, they they run off and execute, literally. And then you can stop and coach and stop and coach at the same time. And when it comes to a match day, you're literally just encouraging from the sideline. There's, there shouldn't be any real instruction or, or positional changes or formations um, that you agree from the start. It should just That should just be the easy part. So in, in business, it's my role to coach, to have the right environment, to show them physically, I'm, I'm very much a visual learner, to show them visually what it actually looks like, to bring them on that brainstorming journey for everybody to be comfortable in asking questions, because it's not just, you know, pointing finger, manager led, this is about leader led instructions. And, and it's really important that people feel comfortable to be able to ask questions. Um, and to be able to be comfortable, to challenge, to say, you know what, Lee, I, you know, I think we should try and do something quite different because sometimes I'm not always right. Uh, sometimes I would do that on purpose to provoke the conversation, but sometimes I may have an idea that in reality, when we walk through the process, isn't actually gonna work. So it's important for me to be um, cognizant of that and listen to the audience because they're the, they're the people in, in, you know, on the front line. They're the people that know exactly how it works. So it's important that they see me as that equal partner on that journey. And I just steer them to the conclusion or
1: solution that we're trying to get towards. Nice. That was, I think, a really good overview of coaching. And I think underlying the whole of that, your message there was explain the why and have them understand it and believe in it. My question in that area would be, what if they don't believe in your why? And what if the person doesn't align with the organisational why? How would you coach or mentor them to that viewpoint? Or would you try and translate the why into something completely different? Yeah,
2: and there's many conversations I've had. And, and let's say an example is in a in a meeting environment where that person disagrees, um, whether that just be a, um, a militant disagree or they just don't understand. It's It's important that I explain in a different way, um, because there may be some cultural cha- challenges or there may be some language or translation challenges in that conversation, especially with a with a European role, which I have at the moment. So it's important to recognize that. Pause, take a breath, try to explain it in a, in a different way. Um, engage the other teammates in, in helping that in, individual understand. So it's not just me literally stood in front of an audience um, trying to trying to cascade and then if that doesn't work simple things I would speak to them on a one-to-one basis and and try to get them to understand it differently in in the most simplistic way that I could reach out to other stakeholders to see if there's a if there was another way to 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 speed reach that person so that they could understand it um, from a different angle and sometimes it comes if it depends on what the message is if it's a strong um, business message I just need to understand is there something behind this? Is, is there something deeper um, that's kind of niggling at them that, that makes mm. them just not want to abide by any business instruction? Is there something historic? Do I need to unravel that? And that's something, is you know almost counsel that. Do I, need, do I need to counsel that conversation to really understand the, the core of what could be this? Because sometimes it isn't the topic. There was a historical core that happened a month ago, two years ago, three weeks ago. That, that's made that individual possibly not want to follow the particular direction that they're, that they're going on.
0: Something that I think we're, we're kind of coming to is, is when you have that conflict, that disagreement, maybe there is a historical challenge or, or language barrier. There's lots of different contributions to some potential conflict, but where's the the line? And I guess it's personal style as well, but, but where's the line between coaching, on a level of of understanding bringing people with you and perhaps being that more disciplined figure
2: yeah sure and and ultimately you know we need to face into that we need to face into it where at some point um you've exhausted all your options so you have exhausted all of the tools that are available to you to try to um ensure that that individual understands and or accepts the message And and that's about hard conversations, and and it's just about facing into those conversations. Because if you don't, the most important thing to me is my team sees that I don't, and that has a detrimental and negative effect. So they could see me as 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 um, a little bit flaky, not as strong as I should be, and and I would inwardly look at that as as well, being you know being a being a reflector. So there comes to a point where you know it's just got to be done. And it's about having those, it's about being bold and having those conversations face-to-face, not over the phone, not on an email because that's that's cheating in my opinion. You have those conversations face-to-face with someone because if it's important to have, it needs to be a personal conversation. Um, and just facing into it, having the conversations, That this has to be done. This isn't up for debate. This isn't something that we can keep debating. This is a business instruction or, a, or an instruction from me. But it's also being sensitive to it as well. So it's not about... Um, hitting someone over the head to deliver the 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 particular topic it's about making sure that they understand that I am being fair but also I'm being consistent so I'm not treating them in any other different way as to which I would treat their colleagues for example if it was the same subject because I would never I I, I never um, cease to acknowledge the fact that people talk to people teammates talk to teammates and that's natural I'd never try and stop that so I would always ensure that I am firm and I'm, I'm, I would always be fair in the approach. So i give people as much opportunity as I can to see the light, fall in line. But if they, if they don't, then I'm fair in this isn't up for debate. This just has to be delivered. And I and will be with you all the way. So I'll still have you know, a, a, an arm around their shoulder to help them deliver. And there will always be that time when that person rings you and they say, ah, I get it now. I understand it now. So we can almost then revisit the original conversation to try to understand what they didn't understand in the first place. And there could be a a ton of reasons for that. It could be a personal reason that they was going through a particular turmoil in their life that they they didn't feel comfortable in speaking to me about that made them behave or think in a different way. That's just life.
0: Yeah. I think that would be my follow up on again the line between the coaching as the leader within the workplace that that conversation but also on the personal side particularly in a, in a world of remote work you know even there, just saying you'd have that conversation face to face you can't have many conversations face to face at the moment and that kind of coaching does that does that translate to to personal life as well there's a kind of trend or theme or certainly growing expectation of of employees of, of workers to bring their whole selves to work does that coaching apply to that as well
2: yeah for sure yeah and, and you make a really good point and and it's about being sincere in in my view as a coach it's about being plausible it's about people believing in the style and and trust and i wrote trust down here on on big letters on my pad it's about people trusting that i'm here for them genuinely not just because i work for x organization um so there's more there's more of an emphasis on on being sincere so sincere when i mean for example is is um, instead of saying to them on a, on, a, on a classic one-to-one, for example, did you have a nice weekend? Yes, what did you do? Not much, that kind of stuff. It's What, what resonates with me, this is what I learned from my leader. My leader, um, my current leader said to me on, on my, one of my first one-to-ones, Lee, how are you feeling? Straight away for me, that was a mic drop moment. Because that just hit all of my nerves in in a positive way, because that showed me, number one, he was interested in how I felt, not just what did I watch over the weekend or what football match did I go to. So it's important that when I speak to my team, I am uh, purposefully vested in them as people first. Yes, they work for an organisation and yes, that organisation pays the mortgage, but I need to demonstrate to them that I am personally invested in them as people by being genuine, by giving them space to answer, by by using those silences in conversation and, and enable them to fill those silence with material that they think is relevant. And also being humble and sharing my own personal It's not about sharing your deepest, darkest, but it's also about sharing some experiences to show those individuals you know what there's there's some give and take here there's a there's a crossover this 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 guy's all right he's actually quite human he's actually quite nice he's there for me and it's when they get that trust
1: that makes a ton of difference Mm. I think that's really really important I think from what you're saying I'm hearing that the emotions the feeling the person really behind the role is equally as important as the role the outcome the doing itself so feelings also plays a part in doing in your experience or more broadly what have you seen or how has this translated into other managers that you've worked alongside or for do you feel that they have been leaders themselves that care about the feelings of others as well as what they do or have they led more with the results based approach and if they haven't been that way inclined how can they become more feeling orientated and more caring and developing that key word trust with their employees yeah it's a good point i've, I've
2: seen both um i'm lucky enough to have, have worked in various different organizations including the police service so I've, I've seen a lot um i've seen kind of the hard-nosed approach you know the old-fashioned you know bang on the table you will do what i said why is that because i'm the boss i've seen that and i've felt that mm. um And and I I know what it feels like. So I've I've seen I've seen that approach, but I've also seen amazing leaders, like incredible kind of jaw dropping leaders that explain the vision so I particularly it's painful in the way that they explain the vision It's excellent so you can literally view the roadmap from their eyes and it exude, you know exudes out of their eyes that's that's powerful to see and that's a real skill and that then enables the team to just yeah I get it let's come along on that journey because it makes sense we really get it um, but like I say I've, I've seen leaders that don't do that and yes that may achieve a result yes that may achieve a number but guess what you look at the attrition of that team it may also impact the attrition of that team, and um, when that person comes home from work and they, you know, how's your how's your day? And you speak to your partners and stuff. I would like that ex- I would like that conversation to be positive somewhat, not just oh, you know, just he made me do this other thing and he was really heavy on me and he didn't really explain. It. He just told me to do all that kind of stuff because that's not a nice feeling. I've been there and I've, you know, it's not my tale of woe, but I've learned from those experiences because I know how belittling sometimes that makes you feel and it may achieve the result in the moment but guess what people then leave um and there's that phrase that's out there is people leave because of bosses how true that is and you know it's not my position to say but people may leave just because of bosses not because of pay or compensation or the company car or the business that they work for it's because they the the way that person made them feel if that person makes them feel um uh, belittled or degraded or, or not important or um, um, restricted in their development. That's not a nice feeling to have. Um, and, and, I, and I guess it depends on the cultures and values of particular businesses. Most businesses have cultures and values, comma, are they accurate? Are they real? Do we all lead by example? And, and I'm I'm lucky to work for a, for a business like Nike where they are true and they are powerful. People do on the whole lead by example and that, that resonates with me and it ticks all of my boxes because that then helps me to become that natural leader with my team. And ultimately my goal is to build a team of leaders. So when they, if they want to, maybe not everyone wants to that's absolutely fine if they have ambition and they are talented in in a certain field then they can you know ride off into the sunset and and go on to their to their next step be it with the organization ideally sometimes people go outside of the organization to come back in which is equally
1: okay yeah I think that final point there on it's almost building someone's career rather than their journey with the organization itself But how does that play into the business need to retain people and the demand to have people there in the long term? If they're going to invest so much time, say, into this coaching, into the learning and development, into everything that the employees had out of them, how would they see the ROI of that if they're then going to move on to a new role and then maybe come back that they can't really guarantee on the financial forecast?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a tough decision. And I've been in conversation with individuals in, in different organisations where they kind of feel that they've they come to a dead end. So they've been in the business for X years. They, they feel that they've done everything there is to do. They can't see any progression through any kind of um, vertical move. They kind of feel stuck. Um, and every day is Groundhog Day. And, you know, my advice to those individuals is try to stick at it, okay? So business business changes in waves. So the direction of business Um, the organisational structure tends to change in waves Um, and you kind of get to feel this wave progression in certain businesses sometimes it's every three years sometimes every five years approximately and my advice would always be stick with it but let's see what else we can do with you within the business itself so it may not always be let's just look at solely loss prevention it may well be that they move into a store operations role. It may well be that they move into more of a, a, an e analytical role. Whatever kind of serves their purpose and, and ticks the box of that particular um, development area, it's important to keep exploring that, but also to seek counsel with other parts of the organization to explain to them, you know, I've got a really talented person in the business. They're kind of a little bit dismayed. There's nothing for us at the moment Can they develop into your function? Can they have a six-month assignment into your function or a nine-month assignment into your function? How can we re-energize them? Sometimes that's difficult. Um, But again, in my my current organization, that should be relatively straightforward because Nike is a business um, that's unsiloed. So you can see the landscape completely across the business. Um, So this isn't about... um, LP and LP forever. This is about, look, you are in the business. You're a key part of that organization and that machine. You can move into anything else that you want. The world is literally your oyster, literally in every sense. So it's about me understanding that business, not being too proud to want to rate, to to retain that skill in my business and allowing that individual to move across different parts of of, of the business. And that's that born... I would say um, wholly out of my understanding of how that business machine works, and my network of people that I partner with, and being very honest about that. So
0: yeah, so the follow-up would be, you know, do you think that that overarching perspective that you have across the business of not wanting to retain that talent because you can see the different aspects of the business, and LP is not unique in that way, but it has a lot of visibility across such a big organisation in, in that way and perhaps that's something that not other departments have and so would you say that that perspective of allowing talent to go across to have those secondments to take those different roles up in the organisation is that because of the visibility you have or is that something that's instilled as part of the culture
2: um, I think it's a bit of both to be honest not to not to sit on the fence but I think it's generally a, a, a bit of both uh, if, mm-hmm. if I've got a if i've got access to and a broad knowledge of, of how the business works um, you know a, a palatable kind of level then it it would naturally naturally work um, i think one of the uh, one of the analogies is you know if, if i've got um, a goal scorer in my team of a football team and, and the goal scorer normally scores 30 goals a season but for whatever reason he's kind of lost his mojo and he's he's only scoring 10 a season maybe if he moves to another team he can bring back that energy and bring back that mojo and, and deliver um, a, a different and or a better style of service for that individual. Here's another football analogy um, where teams put players out on loan. Why do they do that to get them to get them experience to make them fitter to make them more agile to, to harden them up a little bit Why not use that analogy in business and move people across different functions for a variety of different skills to then if if and when, They then come back to you. They've got much more experience. Um, They've been coached in a different way. They've got much better skills or they've got new skills or they've um, lost some bad habits and and they've honed in on their developmental areas. So that's that's powerful to do that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really interesting point. More broadly about nurturing your best talent and seeing the way they'll come back to you in the long term. I've got a quick thought, though, for you on the kind of progression of the rising stars, the best talent that's coming through the organization. What if or if they can at all, can they ask too soon? Can they demand too much of you too early and ask for promotions across the organization before they're ready, before you think they can take that leap? And when that comes up in conversation, do you back them or do you back yourself? even when you know they're good, but maybe they're not quite good enough yet?
2: Yeah. Um,
1: I would always
2: look at talent in, in, in the business in, in the most sincere ways. And that isn't always around actual days and hours and months and years and weeks in, in their current role. It's have they got the hunger? Do they want to develop? tick yes okay so what skills have they got and how can they demonstrate to me that if that if they were to go to the next level then they would make that jump in a in a seamless way so it's my role to um expose them to that world as much as I can doesn't matter whether they're you know six months in the role a year in the role two years in the role if I see that hunger and I see that that that, that they can achieve, and they've dipped their toe in the water and it and it is a success and they have learned from it and they ask and they are asking me a ton of questions what how why where when etc that's that's good that's a good place to be And and i want that i want someone to knock on my door and say i'm ready i'm ready to play now put me in the first team i'm ready now and okay so let's 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 look how you've trained Let's look how you performed. Let's look how your fitness is. Let's look how, look how your agility is. Let's look how your position in the team. Tick, 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 tick. Great. I, I will then, you know, I will then, um, sounds a bit um, hierarchical. I will then allow them to move into that next area, but I will always be a coach. So I will always be um, in contact with them to see how they are, to see how they're feeling, to see how they're developing, to share my experiences. So they would never be there, Um, on their own in that world
1: nice that part of seeing or being with them beyond how they move into the next role and almost looking back on the evidence to back up their claim so when they come and knock on the door and say hey look I'm ready it's sitting down drawing out the reports looking at how they performed in the last season how many goals they scored how many tackles they made and seeing okay great you've proven it you haven't just Mm. said it you've also done it and I think that's a really, really interesting part. And it probably also leads quite nicely into my next question on the wider role of, of coaching and how it can, can be developed. So with coaching in the workplace, what does the future of it look like to you?
2: Um, more coaches, more, more sincere, genuine coaches of people less managers um and i would describe myself as more of a leader and a coach than a manager like i said previously anyone can manage anyone can point anyone can, can send a pointy email it may fix that issue in the time but to to, to coaches is, is is a is a nice skill to have which is obviously an understatement but yeah i would say the future are are more coaches Um, more cross-functional movements so that people can see that, wow, that person was in that role. I thought they was always lost prevention. And then they're coming into my department and they've set the world on fire. Mm -hmm. It's that, that's the important part. So, and it's a a continual um, erosion, I think, in a positive way of the business mentality to encourage leaders, to encourage coaching, to encourage development to not want to keep all of your toys to yourself and um, just because it's making you look amazing as a, as a leader and your numbers are incredible sometimes your your numbers may not be incredible because you are on that journey of coaching with your team but you know that if you well, I, I know personally that if I concentrate on the team if I get into the detail of the tactics and have those conversations good bad and indifferent the numbers will just take care of themselves and that's what i've seen in the organizations that i've been involved is is i used to be so obsessed sometimes by the number um and then sometimes take my eye off the person that's delivering the number flip that on its head focus on the people focus on describing the mission explaining it to them in, them in detail talking them through the types of conversations really really getting into the detail of the, the essence of coaching the numbers will then just naturally flow and naturally take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a long process, sometimes it's a short process, but it's about being confident in 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 what you do. And there's many stories that I've um, that I've been involved in in, in organisations where you know I've, I've walked into a tough environment with with um, a team that's um, um, finding it hard to to um, adhere to what the business direction is. So sometimes you have to just get your finger and press a big pause button and just take that team on that journey. Um, Put your arm around people. Some people stay, some people um, impulsively want to leave. That's okay. If they can't see that message, people may just impulsively want to leave. Um, But then you start to build your your team and then you start to build that legacy of improvement. And then when you leave that department or that function or that area or that geography, the team is just ticking over, and it's just ticking over like a well-oiled machine. And it doesn't need any um, um, coaching sessions three times a week, for example. It doesn't need to go on the astro turf three times a week. You can just go once. But you can just go to your match because it it, it works, and everyone
0: gets it. Mm. It's, it's more efficient, and it kind of the legacy almost pays for itself over that time period when when you kind of have that perspective because yeah. it it just naturally evolves and, and makes sense yeah but one one way that I, I'd flip that slightly again thinking about the future of coaching in the workplace more coaches less managers on the flip side as a as an early career as a rising star as, as somebody in in that machine how can you help your managers to become better coaches how can you flip it and take them on a journey a little bit as well
2: Lead by example, another cliche, sorry, lead by example. Um, And and I I learned this in in my TK Maxx days, I worked with an amazing district manager who wasn't in loss prevention, but we partnered. Um, And he told me, and I always remember this, um, he said to me, behavior breeds behavior. Really simple, right? So annoyingly simple, but so true because it does. So it's about me consistently being true to how I want to be and then people will naturally see it because if they if they then see a chink of light between different styles and I'm not actually sincere to it that will naturally show me up as a fake and and that will be exploited so it's being true to yourself and being sincere and leading by example but yeah behavior breeds behavior and that is that's a big lesson that 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 i learned um in a previous organization because it's so true and it's and it's important because if you then start to build coaches start to build leaders then the 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 managers will have no alternative but to um become coaches or or maybe do something different because then they would make themselves be isolated And and then the business would see them um, as such. And then the employees in that particular team would see them
1: um, as such. Mm. So with this kind of future direction of cross-functional teams and movement between employees across organizational departments and having more coaches, less managers that lead by example, how can we reach that future of the workplace? How can we both from an employee perspective, an employer perspective, how can we allocate the right resources to make that happen really and make that a natural reality?
2: Yeah, I would say is, is be more generalists. So just be great communicators, be great thinkers, be great, be great questioners, be general. Um, you don't have to um, pin all of your colors to the mask and say, I just want to do this, just be, you know, just. Relax, just drop your shoulders, just, you know, put your hands by your side and just be a generally good person and a generally good communicator and always ask a ton of questions in whatever kind of role that you are to gain that full understanding. And don't pigeonhole yourself. So don't just think I'm going to be in this role for the next five years. Always have your eyes wide open. So remove, remove your blinkers. Um, try to understand the, the, the business direction and how the business machine works just be generally good. Just, just be nice. Follow those processes. Embrace the values. Embrace the cultures. Learn from your leaders, um, and then good things will happen. And I've seen it many and many a time. And be resilient. Don't, don't expect it to happen the next day. Just, just be resilient. Just keep going. Just keep pushing forward. Keep pushing forward because businesses go like I said, go through developmental changes and organisational organisational changes and peaks and troughs, all of that stuff. But my advice is when the going does get tough, just keep facing into it. Just keep driving forward. Just keep, even if it's just a, milli, a millimetre, just keep driving forward. And then eventually good things will happen. And then you can look back and just say to yourself, wow, I learned a ton there. And look at me now and it's future-proofed.
0: Nice. No, I love that. There's, there's some really, really good advice in there. And I think what we've spoken about today, you mentioned it a couple of times. There's a lot of that cliche in there. And I think the point to hammer home is cliche often works. That's why people repeat it and and rephrase it and reframe it and say it in their own ways. Cause it works. Um, but I'd, I'd follow up with that kind of final question to think about what is maybe the one thing or the couple of things that as you're building your own legacy, and we always try focus shorter term rather than end goal. So maybe the next two or three years, what's that legacy piece for you? What are you really focusing on? Team.
2: So it's not about me. It's about the purple, it's about the people that work with me. So it's not about the success. It's about my legacy is um, the team that work with me, where they've come from, understanding what that was and where they're going to with a purpose. And hopefully um, those individuals developing in a positive way, um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way that benefits them personally, but also benefits the business at the same time. So for me, it's just team, pure and simple.
0: Yeah, I love that. Really, really good way to wrap up the episode today. I think we've, we've spoken a lot about leadership, coaching, management, finding your own style, a lot of different things, the importance of communication towards the end there as well. And so all that remains is for everyone listening to just let us know on our socials on linkedin primarily what do you think about coaching in the workplace what about this perspective from lee just let us know and you can find lee on linkedin as well so thanks so much for joining us today lee really really great chat i loved it thanks for your time that's it for today from the house hack podcast the best place
1: to find us is linkedin at house hack events the company page and personally on linkedin at ryan mcgee and real charlie rogers we really appreciate your listen support. Leave us a review if you enjoyed our episode and we'll see you the next one.